You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 191, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of the podcast features an interview with Lowell Hobbs of Asheville, North Carolina-based post-punk band Tongues of Fire. The four-piece just released an ambitious EP entitled Burn My Body Clean which takes listeners through Hobbes' mourning process following the tragic death of his mother. As a concept EP of sorts, each of the five tracks on the EP represents a different stage in the grieving process for Hobbes, from the initial shock to the attempts to move forward. The music is energetic and pummeling, drawing influence from the sounds of Steve Albini and David Yao. During our interview, Hobbs and I chatted about how the overarching concept for the EP came together, what the band's first live shows since 2020 have been like, what it was like working with Dan Dixon in his Atlanta studio, and more. Plus, Hobbs picked some awesome records from my collection, including some great ones from the Pixies, Q and Not You, and Mission of Burma. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, everyone, you're listening to Look at My Records. I'm your host, Tom Gallo. I'm here with Lowell Hobbs of the Asheville, North Carolina band Tongues of Fire. They just dropped an awesome new EP in late August. Lowell, how are you doing today? I'm doing sick, Tom. How about you? I'm doing great. Really excited to chat with you. I really, really like the EP. It's called Burn My Body Clean. It's really cool and powerful. has this great overarching concept. have a ton of questions about it and your process in writing and recording it. But before we get into that, I thought it was really cool to see that Tongues of Fire has really jumped right back into playing shows. I'm sure your live performances are super high energy given the music and stuff like that. So what's it been like to get back on the road, get back to playing live shows this summer? I know you played some in July. You're kind of right in between a break between strings of dates right now. How these shows been going? Good. I mean, you know, there was kind of that renaissance for a bit in June to July when everybody was yeah. like, oh, COVID's <laughs> totally over now. Everything's fine. Yeah. Which is exciting. It was great to be part of that. You know, we got vac- like the vaccine as soon as we could. But unfortunately, people are, uh, you know, the, the Delta's coming back. But we're just doing what we can to have a good, safe time. And I think it's possible 
you know, when you have vaccine checks and uh, negative tests at the door and everybody wears masks, I feel like you're doing all you can. Totally. It's cool to see lots of bands and venues taking the safety of everyone very seriously because it seems like it could work as long as people take these precautions that we can keep live music going. And it's really important because it's, you know, bands, venues, people have been hit really hard by the complete shutdown of live music for over a year. So we want to keep it going. So cool to see that you're all taking safety precautions and taking that really seriously. Yeah, just a bit on that, though, it's just been so fun being able to play shows. You know, it's been so long. Yeah, for sure. So tell me a little bit about how this project start. You put out a full length in 2019. What's your background uh, playing in bands in Asheville, North Carolina? It's a city that's really building up a reputation for having great bands and great music. Uh, So how this band start and what other bands did you play in or projects were you involved with before uh, Tongues of Fire? Uh, so this is actually my first ever band. Uh, oh, wow. I lived, yeah, yeah. I lived like 30 minutes out of town in kind of like bumfuck nowhere. And uh, so we, uh, <laughs> we uh, you know, it was kind of me trying to find people for a while. And I finally found people. And then those people weren't right. And I found more people. And I just, like, finally uh, kind of got a core group of people that were just, like, on the same level and just understood what was going on. And it was great. That's cool. So what were your experiences playing music before this band? Because the sound, the songs sound really good, uh, well-developed, uh, you know, emotionally charged. It sounds like, to me, like, this isn't your, you know, first set of songs that you've ever written because they sound really good but maybe i'm wrong uh i know it was a process definitely like i take a long time to write songs so i feel like i've gotten better at uh songwriting by the time i've uh finished a song too yeah like uh, i'll have ideas and i'll just kind of sit on them for a long time so it's just all i guess for me about just uh honing things yeah totally so were you like a solo songwriter before you started this band or were you kind of doing things on the side or uh i mean in like high school i really liked like led zeppelin or whatever so i was in kind of those cover bands or whatever and i just started discovering new music and you know branching out from it i know nirvana was my uh you know like a gateway band So I got to Fugazi and the Pixies and all the other bands like associated with that from that. And so I just kind of started listening to new music and finding new people to work with and like learn from. Yeah, totally. So is that when you kind of got the songwriting itch where you decided, you know, I've been doing cover bands and stuff in high school. Now I want to start writing my own stuff when you discovered newer music like that, different music? Yeah, definitely. I kind of started writing riffs, and I just had to find people to work with, and that's when, like, college came in. So I went to UNCA. I just got exposed to a ton of new stuff and met a ton of new people, and that's when the the lineup just started getting together. Yeah, college is great for finding like-minded 
people as far as music goes. You can totally meet new people that have will expose you to new things, but then are also mm -hmm. similarly minded as far as what you want to create. So that's that's really cool to hear. And uh, talking about other bands, uh, I started off like doing a few filling gigs on bass or guitar or whatever I could get to just kind of get into the scene. Yeah. I know um, I met my longtime drummer Eli through his band uh, Sidewalk Surfers. And so I, I just kind of like, kept just like working with people that I, I liked and kept it going. Uh, I, I kind of, he has a solo project now called Good, Good Trauma and I like do a lot of the production side of that for him and like help out on instruments sometimes. I know I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm the bassist now in Ouroboros Boys, which is like instrumental surf band out of Asheville too. Oh, wow. That's really cool and sounds like it's a very different sounding project than tongues of fire so it's cool that you have that kind of sonic diversity and projects you're playing in i think uh, it's good to have a lot of diversity i feel like yeah. people that only listen to one genre of music usually uh end up making kind of boring music because they don't bring anything new to the table so getting so new things together yeah so did tongues of fire kind of grow out of your connection with uh, Eli, your drummer, through other projects? Yeah, definitely. And just, uh, I know just as soon as I got Eli, too, we started touring. So I started meeting new people on the road. And that was great, too. Because it's cool not to limit yourself just to your hometown. You know, Asheville's great, but, you know, there's, there's the whole world out there. So it's cool to, yeah, because uh, I know we uh, recorded the album in Atlanta, yeah. Henry is from uh, Chicago. Our label's out of Orlando. It's just cool to find the best we can anywhere because the internet's a great thing. One of the huge positives of the internet, bringing music people together for sure. So I want to talk about the new EP. Uh, you mentioned recording it with Dan uh, Dixon in Atlanta. So I definitely want to touch on that in a little bit. But this is a really powerful, heavy EP, Burn My Body Clean. Uh, it has an overarching theme that uh, focuses in on the uh, grieving process that you went through after the loss of your mother, after a lengthy uh, cancer battle. It's a very sensitive and heavy subject. So I was curious, was this a challenging record for you to write or was it more uh, therapeutic for you? Uh, it was both. I mean, it was incredibly cathartic because, you know, like uh, music is something that's a huge part of my life. And it's cool to be able to express uh, a wider range of emotions through your music. Because I know the, the early songs are just kind of being frustrated, you know. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of exploring something I can't even talk to people about, you know, normally, no, most of the time. So it's cool being able to kind of put myself out there with that and express, you know, these emotions and be able to get them out in a way that I'm really comfortable with. I, I'm like, I'm more comfortable uh, playing music than talking. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I could totally say. Why do you think that is? Because I was, I'm always curious about, uh, musicians that really open up 
through their lyrics and music on a very sensitive subject like you're doing right now. Were, were you anxious at all about kind of sharing this very uh, personal side of you about this very personal experience that was a devastating experience? Or, or was it something that came easy for you as far as, you know, I definitely want to put this out in the world? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to put it out in the world. I thought, you know, it'd be cool if people resonated with it. And it's also, like I said, it, you know, I'm better at uh, playing music than talking. So, uh, you know, being able to talk about things that I've not really talked to many people about is a cool thing, too. It's definitely, though, a bit nerve-wracking that, you know, it's out there for the whole world to see and thousands of people are listening to it. But, you know... Yeah, totally. I could totally see, you know, it's definitely something that is probably anxiety inducing to share with the world as something so personal. So the entire EP embodies this concept. Each song represents a different stage of the grieving process for you. When you started writing these songs, uh, was this something that you had in mind from the very beginning that you wanted to do? Or was it something that kind of more slowly unraveled as you started writing, you know, the first song and then the second song, you realized, hey, this could kind of em embody this overarching concept uh it's it's definitely more of the second i just realized as the you know the ep started coming along that i was exploring you know different parts and i was like wow there's five songs and i'm like expressing different uh you know uh feelings that come with what's going on in the different songs it's kind of an interesting concept i should explore this further yeah do you, when did you realize that they were kind of coming together like that? Because then you, you took it to, you decided to also encompass the album art, incorporates your, your mother's ashes and things like that. So when did you kind of realize, hey, I want to do this as this entire concept piece? Uh, I mean, it's been a couple of years, actually. I know... Uh... So my mom passed away, like, at the end of the recording of the first album. Yeah. And, you know, there wasn't really time to properly incorporate it. And I wanted to. So this is kind of my, my chance to do it. So it wasn't, you know, like, I guess, thought out from the beginning. But it's yeah, kind of yeah. like I wanted to do this. And it's cool that it was able to come to this the titles are very eye-catching and that they're each only one word and i noticed that that's basically the same on the the full length that you put out in 2019 uh why do you title songs with only one word uh what do you think uh, i feel like it's very powerful way to title these songs and that it kind of just focuses on one word that represents the entire track uh, what why did you decide to kind of follow that with each song and title songs in that way that's an interesting one i've never been asked that but uh i think my overall with like all of my songwriting i feel like it's very uh to the point it's very yeah. concise so having a concise title 
that's to the point kind of helps uh, reiterate that. Yeah, totally. So tell me a little bit about some of the songs on the record. I want to ask about Silence first. Uh, I found Silence to be particularly powerful track as it's a second to last track and you're really grappling with moving forward and the uncertainty of what to do next which i found is a really challenging aspect of grieving and losing someone you love uh tell us a little bit about that song yeah it's just it's i know uh i know i compared it to like kind of being in the green room before a show i know yeah, that's I'm just like always... one of the early lyrics yeah yeah I, I, you know, when you're, when you're about to play a show, I know for me at least, you know, I'm just like pacing back and forth. I'm trying to watch everything, like get a grip, make sense of what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, it felt like that was kind of going on with like a slow burn, which is very interesting. And it was just like, you know, I couldn't figure out how to break through in a lot of different aspects of my life. And that's kind of like the the thing I yell at the end. Because I can't break through and I have no clue. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other thing that I thought was really interesting, um, and I don't know if it was deliberate, but I thought it was cool that the next to last track is called Silence. The last track is an instrumental, which isn't silence, but there's no lyrics really i'm curious about what the instrumental track meant to you and what it represented in the grieving process for you since each of these tracks seem to follow the grieving process for you in a in a linear manner so uh that song uh at first was supposed to be on the lp but i had no clue what to do do with it. I couldn't figure out lyrics to it. I couldn't figure out like a uh, like a melody line or anything. So I kind of scrapped it. Uh, but just coming back to the EP, uh, I thought of that song, and I was like, "What can I do with it?" You know, I, I tried to figure out lyrics to it. I tried to figure out what to do with it, and I just kind of worked on the instrumental more. And just kind of got to something that I really enjoyed. And then I thought it'd be cool to, you know, make it a a closer and to also like add something to it. And I had some old uh, recordings of my mom, which I had added to it, too. And I thought it was a really cool way to have her on the album and make it a part of it because, you know, it's about the process. Yeah, totally. So. When did you decide to incorporate, you know, you had some voicemails from your mom that are in a part of the final track, that instrumental track. When did you decide that you wanted to incorporate that on to the EP? Um, I know I, 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 t- I touch on it in the song Numb and I, did, I wasn't even thinking about it uh, when I wrote Numb. And I just kind of came together. I was like, well, I mentioned, you know, her voice and voicemails. I should uh, incorporate that. You know, it's almost like a cool uh, refrain, you know, like a, a concept kind of thing. I was like, that'd be, that'd be a perfect way to round out this instrumental track. Nice. So y- you had the instrumental kind of 
done already. You mentioned you wanted to include it on the last record, so you kind of worked it in that afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it was a very rough track that we just couldn't figure out what to do with, so we just kind of threw it to the side. We didn't even, like, record it for the album on the first one. So it was just kind of like, what do we do with this? And it was cool that I was able to find something to do with it. Yeah, cool. Uh, what does the title uh, represent to you, Burn My Body Clean? How does it you know, represent the songs on the record? And what does it mean to you, that title? Um, I know I got the, the idea and the concept from uh, Mud Honey, Burn It Clean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was a, you know, it's just a very interesting, powerful uh, kind of not allegory, but uh, just a an image there. And also, you know, my mom was cremated, so it kind of yeah. ties into that too. And just kind of the 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 catharsis of it, you know, like uh, I'm kind of being cleaned by this in a way that I can get this out and move on with my life, you know, and be able to heal. And yeah, it's a, it's a line from the song clean too. Totally. Yeah. It's uh, it's in the first verse and the second, the, at the end of the first verse and the second verse or the chorus, it looks like. Yeah. Great, great track, by the way. Great video for Clean also. I really like the music video for Clean. Uh, it's kind of gripping, leaves you on the edge of your seat. Uh, the camera work is kind of disorienting in a cool way that sort of captures the confusion uh, and fear that the main character is feeling. It kind of starts with a scene of, I guess, that person in bed and then immediately cuts to them like in a river or something and then they're kind of like running from something but you never really know what they're running from i was curious about uh how'd you come up with the concept for that video and what were you trying to convey through it um so i i just to start off i just tried to find the best person i could and there's this guy named adam who was a friend of brett our guitarist and I saw some of the work he did, and I was really impressed. So uh, we just had him over, and we just uh, looked at things that we enjoyed. Uh, there's, a, there's a band called Shame from... Uh, yeah, from the UK, yeah. Yeah, from the UK. And uh, they have a song called Dust on Trial, and they have just like... There's, not, there's, no, there's no violence in it or anything, but there's just all this tension. Yeah, a lot and of there's, tension there's, in the video, totally, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's something there that you know freaks uh, somebody out in the video, and you can't see it. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's, that's really good. I was like, uh, especially uh, you know, <laughs> budget wise too, just like having a, uh, you know, uh, all this conflict without having to have a, a monster or anything wild in it, is is really cool, and I liked that idea, and I liked the idea of just like you know, multiple shots and just like moving forward all the time, just fast paced. Cause that's kind of what encapsulates our music. Yeah, totally. Um, so you worked with Dan Dixon on this record in Atlanta. How'd you connect with him and what was it like working with him on 
the EP. So, so the band Whores is really cool. I liked what they were doing. And I checked out their debut EP, which is my favorite. And I was like, who did this? You know, it sounds great. And it was Dan. So I just hit him up. Uh, I sent him a video of us, uh, our session we did in a parking lot. And I was like, yo, here's a new song. Like, uh, we've got this whole EP of songs. Can you work with us? And he said, sure, which is great. And so we, like, just sent him demos. He gave feedback. We figured out how to make the demos better. And eventually just came into his studio. What were the uh, sessions like? Were you there for a long time or was it like very condensed, like a couple of days? Yeah, a couple of days. I just know, you know, uh, we had a very limited budget and Dan was really willing to work with that. And we also just did everything live and it was very, it was very uh, intense, but uh, satisfying session you know yeah recording live seems to be something that really benefited the sound of these songs because they have that energy and when you listen to them you know they really hit hard and fast was that something that you went into the sessions knowing that you definitely wanted to do record the, tr the tracks live like that uh, absolutely uh I've, we've had like a ton of like phone cost conversations with dan before the recording process and we we're just figuring out what was best for it and he's like listening to you guys and how tight you are live we'll just recreate that in the studio just with like you know better production and i, I love that idea and it would save time and you know that's just kind of our element what we're best at so it just really just kind of fell together. Yeah. Was the preparation for that tough then making sure you guys were super tight to go into those sessions or were you guys pretty ready for it already? Uh, it was definitely harder than the, the process for the LP because we just come off of a, a tour. So we were, you know, fine. You know, that's kind of how we uh, get tight as we tour. Yeah. So that wasn't an option with Dan, but it was kind of nice being able to really hone things. I know with Clean, we just like reworked it a ton of times. You can't really re rework songs on the road. So it was a very different experience than what I'm used to. Normally we just play the hell out of the songs and they're ready for the studio. But this time we got to hone them even more. What was it like? Working with him in the studio, was he kind of a hands-on producer or was he giving, you know, a little bit of feedback when needed? Because I've listened to some of the other stuff he's worked on. You know, he seems to really uh, specialize in the kind of music that you guys are making. So it seems like he was really working with him was probably very beneficial for you guys absolutely uh you know we've we've uh kind of had a you know like passive like engineers in the past and it's yeah. cool it's it's nice to have someone to be like okay you play and i record this but i was like dan you understand what we're doing yeah you know you understand this genre and you've made successful records in this i want you to take all the gloves off like tell us exactly what we need to do exactly what we're doing wrong and we'll work with it and we'll make it better, you know? And that was great, 
you know, we kind of had the egos out of the way for this. So I'll, I'll do like vocals. It'll be like, no, you know, the, the timing on this isn't right. Let's uh, figure it out. Let's do this instead of this. And, you know, you have to get the timing exactly right on this part. And it can be a little bit looser here. Blah, blah, blah. Just like he told me exactly what I needed to do and what he could have got out of me. And we got it, which is awesome. Yeah, totally. So I'm curious because this EP is structured linear, linear, linearly and the songs kind of flow into each other. When you're playing live, say, you know, next week, you're about to play a string of shows uh, in North Carolina. And I think you're playing in Atlanta, too. Do you play these songs sequentially in the live setting or do you mix in other tracks as well? Uh, yeah, we like to just, uh, well, for the first part, I'm not very good at banter. So we like to work it so I don't have to <laughs> yeah. say anything at all. You know, there's no silence. We uh, just go straight from one song to the other. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, adding uh, a different song, something from the LP, just helps things flow better. So we yeah. we uh, work very hard on our set lists to make sure they have a good flow to them. And if it's not the, the order of the EP, that's fine. It's just whatever works best with what we're doing. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So what's next? Do you see yourself approaching making your next record or EP with a, with an overarching concept as you did with this one? Or was this kind of a very specific one-off thing for you where it's, you know, kind of resulted from a tragic event in your life and this is kind of the way the songs played out? Or would you be open to maybe doing something like this again, where there is this kind of overarching uh, fabric that connects each of the songs? Um, I don't really want to promise either way. I think, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think just whatever uh, works best with what we're doing. You know, I think it's it's very important. I don't, I don't think I'm a jack of all trades. So uh, I find what I'm good at and kind of go with it. And, you know, I think uh, for the next record we do or whatever we do, we'll just find what we're best at at the time and just work with it. Cool. That's a great approach. Now uh, we're going to play a couple of tracks from the EP. I wanted to play Numb, Clean, and Silence the three middle tracks on the EP. We talked about Clean and Silence. Uh, tell us a little bit about Numb, the second track on the EP. Uh, so we're a very uh, ergonomical band, and we don't, uh, <laughs> we don't throw away riffs. So that was actually like a, a few different song ideas that I gave up on. That's kind of an overarching theme, is we'll have things we'll give up on and then uh, bring back later. So I just uh, wanted to find an interesting way to meld different ideas together. And that's kind of how it ended up. Uh, I know, let's see, the, I know I did like demos for this with like a, a keyboard uh, drum machine. I'd like take that and loop it and then just play things on top of it. And I figured out like uh, a vocal line that I didn't use and then just kind of found a different one that I didn't use and then kind of settled on this kind of like shouty uh, style the huh, huh, huh. nice yeah that's cool that you don't abandon 
I guess, songwriting ideas and you try to make them work. I find myself the same way with like everything. I don't like to ever like ditch something. So that's cool that you make good use of everything you've kind of come up with. Yeah. And I think going back to the I'm not a jack of all trades thing is uh, on some of the LP songs I was trying to write, I don't know, like catchy vocal lines. I'm like, you know what? I'm not very good at this. Uh, I'm going to try something else. And I approached a more uh, rhythmic singing style. And uh, the, you know, the the lines can just be in the guitar. Like uh, I was listening to, you know, hip hop and there's not much of, you know, vocal variation in the pitch with that. And there's no problem because they have interesting uh, rhythms with it. Wow. So that's really interesting. You would not expect hip-hop to influence uh the type of music that you're playing what what hip-hop in particular were you listening to that kind of inspired you to take a more rhythmic approach to your vocal delivery um i mean you know i I wouldn't say that the the vocals are hip-hop influenced i just took uh you know i was just like oh wow i don't have to be melodic with my vocals all the time but i know i was i was listening to show me the body which, uh, you know, they have uh, rhythmic vocals that aren't, that are like rap influenced. You know, I'm not really rapping there, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, definitely not. But that's an interesting approach, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I love all kinds of different, uh, music. I've been listening a lot to Doris by Earl Sweatshirt. Doesn't really tie into my music at all, but it's a great album. Yeah, totally. Totally cool that you are keeping yourself exposed to all different types of music that's how people continue to make interesting music as you said earlier in our conversation all right so everyone we're gonna hear uh three songs from tongues of fires brand new ep just dropped in late august it's called burn my body clean it's out now on the Orlando, Florida-based imprint, Godless America. You can get it on cassette via godlessamericarecords.bandcamp.com. I would act very fast, though, because there's only two remaining right now. There were we three... Rem- CDs. Oh, you got CDs, too? Where can everyone yeah. uh, get those? Uh, should be on the Godless America Bandcamp. Or just Godless DM America. us on Instagram or something. Cool. Yeah. DM them on Instagram or get one of these two last cassettes, everyone. So we're going to hear numb, clean and silence from burn my body clean.
All right, everyone, we just heard three songs from Tongues of Fire's brand new EP, Burn My Body Clean. We heard Numb, Clean, and Silence. That's the meat of the new EP. It's the middle three tracks. Again, everyone, godlessamericarecords.bandcamp.com. All right, so now Lowell picked some records from my record collection, and we're going to talk about them. Picked a nice selection, some personal favorites of mine for sure, some good deep cuts I was happy to see, some really nice older tunes and records in here. But we're going to start out first with Godcaster, song called Don't Make Stevie Wonder off of their 2020 album long-haired locusts uh lola i don't know if you've ever seen this band live before but i have and they're like insane they are a fun band to see live i know we want to play with them so bad we've, <laughs> we've talked together and we've tried to make it happen but it's just never lined up but it's gonna happen one of these days and it's gonna be crazy yeah, this is a crazy record. Tell me a little bit about why you picked this record and picked this track. How'd you also stumble upon this uh, band? Because uh, we were trying to play together. I oh, just nice. know, uh, people kept <laughs> say, yeah, People kept saying, play with Godcaster, you know? So I was yeah. like, I got to check this band out. They got to be good, I guess. You know, if people are telling me to, us to play with them. Uh, but I just, I, I like it a lot. You know, it's really cool how... They blend genres, you know, it's like, it's like, it's kind of like the Minimate, how they just took uh, funk and made it into punk, funk punk, you know, that's something you don't see very often and you don't see very often ex like executed really well, even if it's executed, you know, so it's awesome to see it done so well. Yeah, they're one of the most interesting bands out there right now and hope to see Tongues of Fire playing with them very soon because they put on quite a show. Next, Caribou by the Pixies off of their 1987 album, Come on Pilgrim. You were mentioning earlier Pixies' uh, influential band to you, as they are to many people, of course. Really important band in the history of alternative music. Yeah, I was just, like, uh, in high school, I had my, like, kind of renaissance when I went from, you know, listening to just Led Zeppelin and ACDC because all these new bands were trash to, uh, you know, like finding alternative music. You know, Pixies aren't even a new band, but, you know, I, I wasn't listening to anything past the 80s. So it was really cool um, just being able to discover all that. And Caribou was one of my favorite songs when I downloaded the LimeWire torrent of pixies best hits dot flack you know <laughs> that's good you were already listening to flax back in <laughs> high school the high quality mp3 so you're really hearing everything on that track yeah it seems like they're uh, you know guitar playing definitely an influence on um 
tongues of fire for sure. Yeah, that angular guitar, yeah. you know? Another new record here, Fontaine's DC, a song called Love is the Main Thing off of their album that they put out last year, A Hero's Death. Oh, yeah, that, that's such an awesome song. I mean, uh, in a way, it influenced uh, Room because we were like, oh, we could just start with a drum beat. You know, we've done that before, but it was just like, wow, it's just so, done so well by them. Just like, I can't even describe the drum beats like, you know, I'm not a drummer, but um, it's just so cool how they make everything interact with it, like each other, just like all these parts working together. It's just such a cool record and such a cool song right there. All right, these next two, I was super excited to see them on here. Little Love for 90s DC post-punk. Savory by Jawbox off of 1994's For Your Own Special Sweetheart. One of my favorite records of all time. Probably their best record at the time. It was, I think people were upset with it because they signed with a major label to put it out. But it's definitely, to me, their best uh, body of work. Uh, they did a reunion tour two years ago. I got to see them. My friends actually opened for them on a couple of dates. So super exciting. I love this record cover to cover. And I think Savory is such a great example of how powerful a simple song can be if you do it right. Because it's a very simple song, but really, really resonates. Yeah, I, I just love how they... Uh, just like have the you know the opening guitar riff just like keeps going you know it's the yeah. same thing but they build it around that it's so cool yeah i always wanted to ask jay robbins when you're writing a song that's that simple and the song kind of just you know comes from that when are you kind of coming to the conclusion like oh this song just works with this one like one fucking chord the whole time and it's going to work. I mean, it's, you know, their most well-known song. And to me, that's so amazing, the power of simplicity in that song. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a good song. Like, you know, I, I was thinking of doing some kind of deeper cut, but I was just like, Savory is such a good song. You know, they, it deserves to be their number one song. I should just play that one. It's just wild. Yeah, and I'm glad to see that they're back together because they're the best and... It was really fun seeing them live a couple of years ago. It's amazing. Still got it. Jay Robbins still does a lot of production work in his studio in Baltimore. Um, he makes like great records. Uh, he's produced records by my friends Lepesh and a bunch of other people as well. And, you know, so he's still like making an impact on music behind the board for sure. Uh, making really, really good records. That's amazing. That's that's what I, I'd want to do if I, you know, ever got prominent 
is, you know, use my, uh, use my expertise and just, like, my, my influence to just, like, find people and, uh, bring them up. Next, this is one of my favorite bands, totally underrated band, uh, Q and Not You and the Washington Monument Blinks Goodnight off of 2000's No Kill, No Beep Beep. Uh, tell me a little bit about why you picked this track and this record. I think this record is great. I love how <laughs> there's moments where it kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, this is, uh, you know, kind of a, a flowing moment on the record. Um, it's sick song. So, and they're yes. really like masters of the angular guitars for sure. Masters of the hi hat too, dude. Yeah. The, the hi hat in that song is badass. It's just, uh, just I think a kind of a, a big, uh, I guess overarching theme of this is just like interlocking parts you know that's that's kind of a i say a a part of post-punk that's really cool that I, that drew me to it is how there's all these different parts that are doing uh like separate things but they lock together so well which q and not you does great yeah they definitely definitely do that really really well and this is my favorite record by them definitely they put out two more after this the one after this is pretty good too but i think this one's my favorite for sure and really to me representative of that dc sound in that era you know late 90s early 2000s so shout out to a great band q and not you shout out to dc too band umbongo off of their 2015 album holding hands with jamie this band's from ireland i believe yeah uh it's it's i found them through uh key xp and it blew me away just like with black midi too i found them through key xp did you watch a live set uh that they did on KEXP or yeah it was the, the one in like uh iceland or whatever oh nice that's amazing yeah, yeah. i mean they seem like a really uh intense live band uh what i can imagine uh tongues of fire brings to the the stage i feel like they bring a a similar energy absolutely i mean you know you call it a show for a reason so you, you gotta bring something to the table if you're yeah, on the stage yeah, totally absolutely you know, be it be it you know wild energy or um just if you're a good uh storyteller if you're uh you know just like interesting you can bring that. I'm not necessarily an interesting person uh, with talking or uh, storytelling, so I just bring it with my energy. Totally, yeah. So 
what what do you like what do you dig about this track in particular um bongo uh, i just love the textures of it uh, i love the production too just how they they bring so many different things to the table and bring them in and out they uh have all these different like i said textures going on and it's just such a just a wild sound i can't think of another band that sounds like them maybe like some sonic youth to a certain extent but it's just out there it's great But not least, talk about a band that brings energy to their recorded music that they also have in the live setting. I was lucky enough to see Mission of Burma live several times during their kind of second phase of their career from like 2005 to 2015-ish. And they've since basically broken up. I think they stopped playing shows and putting out new music and then like a couple of years later maybe about a year or two ago they announced oh we're officially broken up again but uh, this is off of uh, 1981's signals calls and marches you picked devotion i can't think of a more influential band that really only <laughs> originally existed for a very very short period of time and you know, only put out two records, but their influence, I feel like, can't be overstated how many bands they influenced uh, with a very, in a very, even though they existed for only a very short period of time initially. Yeah, that's so crazy to think about, you know, posterity. I bet they, I bet they didn't think uh, anything of it. You know, I, I bet they're like, oh, we put out these albums and, you know, broke up and went our, on our ways. And, you know, they find out later that they influenced all the, these people. That must be a crazy uh, thing to have happen to you. Yeah. And t tell me a little bit about why you picked Devotion in particular off of Signals, Calls, and Marchers. There's so many good songs on that record. This is definitely one of them. Uh, I just know, uh, you know, I heard, like, that's when I reached for my revolver and just, like, listened to the <laughs> it's whole... such a good song, yeah. I listened to the whole album, you know, and that... That was like wow, that that was another uh, you know part of my high school years is I I put on Fugazi radio on like uh, wasn't Spotify what's the what's Pandora the name of Pandora yeah yeah I just know that came on and I was like wow that's really cool I gotta check out this whole album and that and uh, Devotion really stuck out to me too. Right. So, coming to the end of the show, Lowell, it was so cool chatting with you, everyone. Uh, Tongues of Fire's brand new EP, Burn My Body Clean, is out now. You can get it 
via godlessamericarecords.bandcamp.com. Also, check out Tongues of Fire on Instagram and Facebook as well. You've got a bunch of tour dates coming up starting on the 19th in Charlotte. I mean, Charleston, South Carolina. Then you'll be in Charlotte on the 20th. D.C. on the 21st. Boone, North Carolina on the 22nd. Memphis on the 23rd. Good old Athens, Georgia on the 24th. And then you'll be wrapping it up with Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And I'm super happy to see that uh, aside from that last date, you'll be playing all these shows with my good friends from here in New Jersey, Shred Flintstone. Shred Flintstone. Very good friends of mine. So tell them I said hello. And I know you'll have a blast with them because they've been posting all on Instagram. They're currently on tour and all the shows look like they've been a blast. So I know you're going to all have a good time together for that stretch of dates. For sure. Uh, Murfreesboro is actually canceled, but uh, uh, okay. we can, we're playing uh, Columbia on October 12th with Daikaiju and Abacus. So we can just uh, sub those. Awesome. All right. Well, Lowell, it was super awesome chatting with you. Uh, now that this EP's out, you're about to hit the road again for a string of dates. What's what's next though for uh, this project after that's all said and done? <sighs> I mean, you know, we'll, we'll want to keep pushing this EP as much as we can. But I, I'm I'm thinking we're gonna do a, a split with some friends of ours. We'll we'll announce once it comes to fruition. Uh, but we'll try we'll probably try to write a couple more songs and then see where that goes. You know. Awesome. Very exciting times for Tongues of Fire. Lowell, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was so cool to hear all about the new EP. Absolutely. Nice talking with you, Tom.